0: Okay, everybody, I would like to welcome everyone who is watching and following along on this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Call Interview Series. Uh, I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Hall of Fame, and I appreciate everybody following along, listening, uh, and whoever watched this video uh, moving forward. Um, I'm hoping everyone is staying safe and healthy as we continue to navigate this coronavirus pandemic uh, here in Virginia and beyond. Uh, Live sports are really beginning to ramp up again, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, for all the sports fans out there. And there have been a couple different scenarios that we've seen. Uh, and today we are actually pleased to be joined by an athlete who is actually playing in one of the quote unquote bubbles right now. Uh, Elizabeth Williams, as you can see on your screen, uh, is from Princess Anne High School here in Virginia Beach and then Duke University and is a former first round draft pick uh, in the into the WNBA. She's a 2017 All-Star and yesterday began your sixth season, I believe. Correct? Sixth yeah, season that's right. in the league with uh, 17 points and seven rebounds uh, in the Atlanta Dreams opening day win over the Dallas Wings. So congratulations on that performance yesterday.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. Well,
0: well, thank you for taking the time out today. I know it's a busy schedule, even though it's in the bubble. Everything is uh, because you have to share so much space. You're, yeah. I know that you are, uh, it's, it's difficult to find time. Um, anybody who's following along, this is on Facebook Live. So if you have questions, please feel free to try to get them up on the stream and, uh, and we'll see if we can uh, get them over to Elizabeth. But, um, you know, we've been doing this now. Uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, kind of talking to players who are prepping to play, uh, medical professionals, broadcasters. You're actually the first person we've talked to about actually playing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what's it like to compete again? And, and what was it like to get out there on the basketball court yesterday?
1: Yeah, it was great. It's, it's kind of surreal. Obviously, like a couple of months ago, um, no one was even sure that we would have a season. I was actually playing overseas when all of the COVID stuff hit. Um, and that was like, it was like February, March when it started getting a little more serious and then they suspended my overseas season in the middle of March. So I came home and was quarantined then. And uh, obviously the WNBA season was kind of up in the air um, but I know we had a lot of momentum because of the last CBA that we we just put together with the league. So they really wanted to have, find some way to have some type of season this year. So we worked really hard as a union and with the league to come up with the safest return to play. Um, And so to actually kind of be here and being part of it, it's, it's really cool.
0: You mentioned that your overseas season was stopped right in the middle. That was in Turkey, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was in Turkey.
0: And you're actually on the, uh, the, the players association executive committee, you're the secretary. So you were very in tune with the negotiations, the discussions. Was there ever a point in time where you were concerned that a season wasn't going to happen?
1: yeah i mean there's just so many logistics that go into creating a bubble season um so i mean i think there were moments where we're like i don't know if this is going to fly and then um obviously like you we weren't sure with like some states were getting a lot better and so um, everyone is kind of optimistic that by the time we would get to the point that we're at now that the virus wouldn't be as big of a deal but we still wanted to make sure we were in a space where if COVID was still kind of rampant, that we still felt safe and protected. So, um, I mean, I think overall, because everyone from both sides was really pushing for something to happen, um, as we started to talk more and more, it felt more and more realistic that we're going to have a
0: season. So you get it back out there on the court yesterday. Was there any, was there any trepidation, or was there any uh, kind of you know butterflies or nerves that went out there? Was it just playing basketball again?
1: I mean, I get nerves before every game, just like right before tip off. And then once you start playing, you're like, oh yeah, I've, I've been doing this a while. So, um, <laughs> and it was just really exciting to be back on the court. You know, we were really focused on a lot of social justice initiatives, even while we're in the bubble. Um, it's pretty well known now that we have Brianna Taylor's name on the back of our jerseys and, um, as players, we are actually able to talk to her mother and, and obviously legally, we have to get the approval to do something like that. So, um, just having, you know, knowing that the season is bigger than just us and just playing, um, I think that's another reason why it's so special to be back on the floor.
0: Well, you know, let's transition to that to that social justice initiative. I'm sure that that initiatives really uh, the WNBA and its players have been very vocal and active um, on that on that front. You know, was that another big driver in getting this season going, knowing that you were going to have a platform? like, you know, being in the bubble, the media component that goes into it, having that platform to really push those forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, With nothing else really on TV, nothing live, uh, we knew that we'd have a chance to be televised a lot more than we have in the past. And I mean, obviously, there are some players that opted out, you know, to solely focus on social justice. But for a lot of us, we felt like we could still be in the bubble and continue those initiatives. So um, it's been like really unique, but just like, just really powerful that we're able to have this platform and use it and just to continue to educate people.
0: When you, so following along with that, you know, typically when we watch sports, it's a competition, it's between either individuals or teams, but you're all you're all now coming together collectively. Is that easier to do, you know, when you're all in the same space or is this something that has always kind of been, you know, an undertone in the WNBA among its players, trying to push, you know, women's sports, women's athletics forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think our league's been unique in that trying to be in the forefront, whether it's in social justice or pushing for women's sports um, and promoting those types of things. But it's it's a lot easier now um, when we're all here. There's never been a season where every team is in one place for an extended period of time. So uh, it's been really cool to be able to bounce ideas off of people, even just to see people around like at the pool or wherever that you might only see for like a weekend just because that's when you're playing them. Uh, so we're just trying to take advantage of having everybody in this one space. And I, I think so
0: far it's, it's working really well. Yeah, I saw an interview that you did recently. Actually, I, I think it was called E-Will in the Wubble. So, yeah, so the, yeah. the wobble is the term that the WNBA is using. I, I, I like that. I got a kick out of that. <laughs> um, but you mentioned the Social Justice Committee uh, that mm-hmm. the WNBA has. Is that something that was formed recently or is that, is that something that's been going on in the WNBA for, for some time?
1: Yeah, it was formed recently. So in our planning for this season, um, it's a combination of players, um, some league staff, um, and I I think a couple of people like some team staff, Uh, but basically just to get like multiple perspectives and to make sure that we had a group that was kind of like in the forefront when it comes to the social justice stuff, obviously every player is involved, but they're kind of like the leaders in, in pushing that and communicating with activists that are, you know, out in public and being those, those communicators.
0: So I mentioned that you are, you are on the Players Association Executive Committee. Um, What was the most important thing that, you know, either as an individual yourself or collectively as a group that the players wanted with this restart and getting the season started again?
1: It was definitely player health and safety. That was by far number one. It was number one for the league and for us, but, like what does it actually look like? So what does it look like if somebody tests positive? What does quarantine look like? What does testing look like? Making sure that we had the full protocols. That was that that was absolutely number one for us because I think once people feel comfortable with those things, then they don't have to worry about playing. Then playing is just you know the basketball. Um, so once we felt like we were comfortable and, and as an EC, we we're able to communicate that to other players. I think that's when you can kind of get, you know, the logistics and all the other things um, kind of figured out.
0: So you had the the pre-bubble quarantine, then you get down to Florida, you kind of quarantine again, and now the season started. Have those protocols and safety measures lived up to what the Players Association was was hoping for?
1: Yeah, they, they really have. Um, So obviously you had to have two negative tests so we tested for a week before we came and then you had to have two negative tests before you could even come in. Um, And so there, and then we had the initial quarantine period when we came in and there are actually two players that tested positive during that quarantine period so. uh, But since then, there have been no positive tests, and so I think we all like to think that the protocols work, because the fact that there were only two people from the same team that you know, tested positive in in that quarantine period means that people weren't intermingling, people were wearing their masks, because if we were kind of all allowed to kind of roam free once we got here, then who knows how many people could have contracted the virus. So, and and since then, we've had no positive tests. Um, We've had players actually come in and do the quarantine and they've been integrated and have had no positive tests. So, so far, everything's working really well.
0: So we know that the NBA is is in uh, Disney World in Orlando. Uh, Bradenton is just outside of Tampa. And for those who don't know, the IMG Academy is is really a boarding school. I mean, it's a it's yeah, a high school yeah. preparatory school uh, with a very strong sports focus. Kind of give us an idea of of why that was the site that was chosen, and uh, kind of like a day to day of what goes on there with the with the players, the teams, and coaches.
1: Yeah. So when we were trying to decide on our site it ended up coming down between Vegas and IMG. And we just kind of felt like with IMG, I'm actually like relatively familiar with the campus because my brother went here for a year, Um, but like knowing that it's gated, knowing that it's kind of like its own site where everything is. And there's also like massive outdoor space like with the golf courses and the driving ranges and the tennis courts, like it doesn't feel so restrictive um, as opposed to being like in Vegas where it's kind of like You got the hotel and you play in the convention center so there's really not a lot of green space and not a lot of like freedom um that was a big part in in choosing img but like on the day-to-day so players could choose to live either in the hotel the legacy hotel that img has or in villas or lodges so if you chose the hotel it's because you wanted your own room your own space but you don't have like a kitchen or living area and people that chose to live uh, in the villas or lodges, they have either one or two roommates, um, but in your own, your own room, your own bathroom, but you're sharing like a kitchen, living space. So people, more people that wanted to cook and kind of not have to rely on other people for their meals, uh, that's, that's where they chose. So I chose the lodge because like being able to have the choice of either eating training table or making my own food. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so usually people, so COVID testing is also at the hotel. So you have to do COVID testing every day, um, and like usually if you're not in practice or whatever, a lot of people hang out at the pool. Like, it's hot, it's something to do. <laughs> and then uh, the practice facilities and the weight room and stuff are actually on the other side of campus from the hotel, so they're closer to the lodges. So. You would a lot of people rented bikes because it's it's kind of far to walk and it's really hot <laughs> so you could like bike from the hotel to practice do your practice get your meals from either the hotel or there's a clubhouse by the lodges um and yeah so it's just kind of that combination of chilling at the pool uh going to practice eating your meals either hanging out at villas or lodges um do the it's funny because the ice bath protocols like you have to have like a everyone has to have like their own ice bath, basically. So there's a lot of like little kiddie pools that you see filled with <laughs> ice <laughs> because because of COVID, you can't use like the the cold tubs. Yeah. Um, so that's like I don't know if you saw JJ Reddick's video where he's like chugging that beer yeah I did so (laughs) because everyone has to have their (laughs) everyone has to have their own cold tub so like you kind (laughs) of see those around like it's it's kind of it's just different but
0: on a 450 acre campus I guess it's pretty easily easy to socially distance out there in the little kitty tubs here there and everywhere (laughs) exactly Uh, if you are cooking is it is it you who does the cooking or is it your roommate
1: um my roommate's done a good amount of the cooking, honestly, but I I did bring a slow cooker. So basically any meal that involves slow cooking, like I've, I've kind of been the chef in that.
0: (laughs) We may have to do another one of these for recipes, because I know a lot of people are always looking for (laughs) that. So has the the transition to the bubble then? Has that been, you know, everything that you kind of anticipated? What has been your reaction to it? Is there a, is there something that has just been a really hard thing to adjust to or something that's kind of been a, a nice release? Um, I mean, I guess adjusting
1: to, like, having roommates again, like, I'm not used to living with other people, which it's not, it's not a big deal, like, we all have our own space, um, and it's actually kind of nice to not feel like, especially because we've been in quarantine for so long, like, to not feel like you're isolated, Um, so that's just been different, but but good. Um, I mean, it was just, all of it was really different, honestly, (laughs) even the initial quarantine period, like, Having food delivered to you, not being able to really go anywhere. Uh, But I think things normalized once training camp started because then you kind of were on a schedule. You understood, like, you know, when to go pick, like, go grab your meals and when to chill and when to, like, like use your downtime. So uh, it's definitely been really different and unique, but I don't think necessarily in a bad way. I think once the basketball actually started, I think everyone started to feel more comfortable.
0: It's got to be an advantage for you too, that you're actually at a facility that is set up for your job. Now, you know, there's a lot of sharing, but Mm -hmm. you know, you see some of my favorite photos uh, from sports recently have been seeing all the NBA courts set up in hotel ballrooms. And that's just, that's gotta be a completely different, you know, mindset, whereas you guys actually get to use basketball courts. So I guess that IMG Academy in a way is actually a, the best of you know what could be termed a bad situation in what.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's nice to actually have the courts and have like the weight room right next to the courts. Like you, it almost feels like college. Like everything's kind of in the same place. And I know the NBA guys like everything's in the like convention center, which is a little weird. Um, our broadcast courts are actually offsite, um, so we have to take a bus to those whenever we have our TV games. But otherwise. Practices on site, but again, because there are 12 teams here and the two courts are next to each other. Sometimes you're practicing at the same time as someone else. So you're kind of trying to be the louder team. <laughs> Cause I mean, the only <laughs> thing separating you is like, you know, those nets that they put down. So, um, I think people have a lot of fun with that, but, but otherwise, yeah, we, we talked
0: about how the, t- the league and players have come together, but there is still yeah. that competitive advantage that you need.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So have there been any legendary pickup games we can talk about or are they strictly prohibited?
1: <laughs> no, we're not. I think generally we're still not supposed to like mix and mingle too much. Like we played a couple preseason games. Um but for the most part there haven't been like people just playing pickup. And we're kinda tired, like because the season's shortened, we're playing every other day pretty much. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> about people like spending that much extra time in the gym playing one-on-one but who knows
0: yeah. well you mentioned that shortened season 22 games and and you're playing like you said every other day and that is you know I've, I've occasionally played pickup at the you know the local gym and you know <laughs> 20 minutes in and I'm you know huffing wind but um what's that mindset and, and how how have you been able to prepare for that you know we talked to a, a top sports psychologist on one of these interviews last week Dr. Bob Bertella and he mentioned that because of the you know preparing for the unexpected and then the quick ramp- up a lot of mental preparedness and preparation has uh, has been affected so how have you been able to maintain that that uh, that focus
1: yeah I mean I think mental health was another thing that kind of went into the player health and safety that we prioritized when we we're talking about starting this bubble season um, we actually have two um, I think two psychologists that are actually on site for us that we can call and have access to at any time. Um, Because obviously, like this whole experience, even before being in the bubble, is kind of can be isolating at times. Um, So making sure that we have resources and people that we can talk to has been really important. And for me, I try to, you know, have like my me time, try to meditate um, and work and journal and kind of focus on those types of things. Um, and then even before this season started, I tried my best to stay in shape um, and, you know, do home workouts and things like that, just knowing that eventually a season would, would possibly happen.
0: Uh, being on the executive committee and, and really kind of being a part of the negotiations to, to get this done, how many hours would you say you put in just focused on, on getting the season started?
1: <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I, we like our EC jokes that negotiating and creating this season was harder than uh the cba negotiations because there are just there's just so many unknowns like it's literally a global pandemic like there's just so many things that just kind of have to figure out and that makes it so much harder like there are constantly questions being asked or and we think we've asked every question and then a player will say like hey well what about this and you're like man i didn't even think about that like it's just constant Um, with so much changing. So, I mean, that's a lot of
0: hours. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that obviously came out of it is the bubble setup. Um, I don't know if you've seen the news today, but Major League Baseball is kind of in a bit of a, you know, to use a baseball term, a pickle right now because the Marlins have, you know, half of their team has now contracted it and baseball is traveling, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how much are you guys looking at how the other leagues are performing and, and what's going on and kind of comparing, contrasting and, and pulling things that you might be able to use? I'm not saying in the future, hopefully we mm-hmm. don't do this again for another season, but maybe later in this season to, to make sure you get through this healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in trying to create this plan, I know we we're talking closely with the NBA, we we're trying to see what, you know, the European league started doing because they started way before us, like the Bundesliga and Germany and like Trying to figure out what like what made this work basically. Um, the NWSL just finished their Challenge Cup, which worked great. They had no positive tests. They did the bubble thing. Um, wasn't perfect, but you know like we were able to try to like take pieces from all these different leagues to see what could possibly work. So I think we're constantly checking and getting ideas from from them. And I know well baseball <laughs> their situation's different because they didn't do the bubble, and now you're seeing. Uh, what happens when you don't and when you add all these extra factors, because the whole point of the bubble is to eliminate all these extra factors that, that can make it hard. So, uh, I mean, we're all learning and you know, we'll see what's going to happen with with other leagues too.
0: I mentioned the, uh, that we briefly touched on the media component and I was actually going through the schedule, uh, and this was supposed to be the Olympics. So, you know, obviously the Olympics are not happening, but that opened up that media, uh, that media availability for you guys on CBS Sports and then ESPN, which has always been one of your partners. How important was that to yourself and the rest of the players to get that added media exposure, even in this condensed season?
1: Yeah, it's huge. That was something when we started these phone calls with the league that we brought up, we're like, hey, we've got we're kind of lucky that it was an Olympic year when this happened because it allowed for this massive gap in scheduling. and so it's like great that's it's good because I mean obviously it sucks that the Olympics are postponed, but it's good that we're able to kind of have some wiggle room and what we want to do and how we want to plan for this season, um, and I think so far like they actually today ESPN announced that they're adding even more WNBA games. Um, just because of I don't know scheduling or whatever so it's actually been nice to, to take advantage of that gap.
0: Well, I'll get you out of here on a couple, a uh, couple easy ones. Cause I know that you're very busy, but uh, uh Virginia sports hall of fame inductee, Kara Lawson just took over as head coach at your alma mater, Duke university. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you know Kara? Uh, obviously you know of Kara, but do you know Kara personally and what kind of attributes do you think she could bring to that program?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for that hire. Um, <laughs> so Kara actually, when I was being recruited, she, I, I somehow was able to, get on a phone call with her because Tennessee was recruiting me Um, and I was surprised that she remembered that phone conversation because we actually had a call with all the Duke wins basketball alumni that Kara was on Um, and we and she just wanted to like reach out and you know say how excited she was and obviously alums wanted to be able to like interact with her. Um, And so it was really cool when I, you know, I I made sure I said something on the call, like, hey, like, we're so excited to have you and she's like, yeah, do you remember that phone call we had? You were in high school? And, and I was like, I feel like that speaks to the type of person that she is, that she's, she's really, she understands how important relationships are. And she's obviously a great basketball mind being part of the Celtics organization being uh announcer you know playing in the WNBA, also coaching some usa three-on-three teams so she has like that nice balance of of playing experience and coaching experience so i'm really looking forward to her at duke
0: yeah we, we think she'll be a great asset there uh, and last one and then i'll let you get back to uh to your day uh but stephen adams from the oklahoma city thunder recently said he expects technical fouls to be way up in the nba because the refs we'll be able to hear everything the players say. Do you expect a similar rise in the WNBA?
1: Uh, It's true that refs do hear everything um, because that happened in our game yesterday. Because, I mean, people say what they want to say. Usually you can say it under your breath, but when there's nobody else in the arena, it's always heard. Um, I guess it kind of depends how if refs, like how refs take everything. Because they're also in the bubble too. Yeah. So like... You could try to sweet talk them at the pool or something to to help yourself out. So
0: um,
1: I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they react.
0: Well, let's let's hope that uh, they keep you on the court for all 22 (laughs) games. And hopefully, you know, health and safety keeps you on the court for those 22 games as well. Uh, I want to really thank you again for taking the time out today. Uh, It was a great conversation, great interview about hearing about life in the bubble. And uh, we continue. uh, We wish you the best of luck as your season continues.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: This was great. Uh, Atlanta Dreams next game is July 29th at 10 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. It is a 22 game sprint to the playoffs. Uh, so, again, we'd like to thank Elizabeth Williams for joining us today. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in and who will watch this. Uh, and as always, thank our partners, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, Optimate Health, ESPN Radio 94.1. Be sure to follow us on all of our social platforms. This video will be up there Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, all at VA Sports HOF. Uh, Once again, I'm Will Driscoll with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and we're hoping everyone stays safe and healthy.